that is what this exercise is. The GOP House is trying to take power from the White House. And this is how they do it, claiming corruption. It's kind of how they did it with Trump, too. They tried to impeach him twice. I mean, listen, I'm not saying it wasn't warranted, but let's be honest, they weren't really able to prove collusion. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Tuesday, August 15th. Today, I'm joined by Tara Palmieri to talk about the saga of Hunter Biden, whose plea deal with federal prosecutors just fell apart. And now he's facing a special counsel investigation. How will all of this blow back on his father as he seeks re-election in 2024? Tara and I also discussed the Republican race in Iowa, where the GOP candidates are right now flipping pork chops at the Iowa State Fair. We'll discuss all that and much more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Are you tired of sleeping hotter than hell? I sure am, I sleep hot. There's something crucial about sleep that eludes us when we're too warm, too uncomfortable, and too caught in the web of our own thoughts to drift off. And while curiosity fuels our days, science tells us that cool sleep recharges our nights. That's where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Meet the bed cooling system that elevates the quality of human life through cool sleep. The Chili Pad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. I love it. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Chili Pad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees, allowing your body to rest and recover. This isn't just about escaping the heat, it's also about optimizing your sleep for better health, more energy, and improved physical and cognitive performance, which I obviously need hosting a podcast. Chili pads are designed for one or two sleepers, so if your sleep partner likes to sleep at a different temperature, or you only need it for one side of the bed, that's okay too, and we know that's crucial. Plus, you can schedule automated temperature changes to trigger deep sleep. But when I'm at home, Chili Pad solves those problems. So trust me on this one. Visit sleep.me slash powers to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code powers. This offer is available exclusively for powers that be listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleep.com dot me slash powers because you're not just investing in better sleep you're creating a better life happy tuesday everybody welcome to the powers that be i'm coming to you from des moines iowa the most important place in the world if you care about presidential politics right now at least on the republican side i want to talk to tara palmieri about the state of play in iowa around the republican presidential nomination But first, Tara, welcome. I want to ask you about Hunter Biden, uh, because a lot of news around Hunter has gone down over the last week. His plea deal with federal prosecutors fell apart. This was the deal he cut over um, a gun charge, tax evasion. He thought he was going to avoid jail time. That's all gone now, at least for now. Mm -hmm. What happened there? I am not entirely sure why it fell apart, but a judge in Delaware basically was unhappy with the deal and decided that they needed a special counsel. And 
David Weiss is a U.S. attorney who was appointed by Merrick Garland, mm-hmm. the attorney general, to investigate Hunter Biden beyond just the gun charge and the tax evasion. So that's not good for Hunter Biden. And mm-hmm. the judge suggested that they go to trial. That's not good mm-hmm. for the Biden campaign. Got mm-hmm. Biden White House, which essentially the Biden White House is a Biden campaign right now, to have the day-to-day trickle of bad news about his son, along with the daily drumbeat from the GOP lawmakers in the House who are you know, saying there's corruption, there's corruption, he's got this shady son, and he's working with China and Ukraine, and he's definitely brought his his uh, father into it. And, you know, there's no way Joe Biden has clean hands here. And it's just not a good message. And you, you know what I've heard from a lot of people that voters on the ground, from reporters who have talked to voters and from people I've just talked to, they really are bothered by the idea of Hunter Biden making money off access to his father. Like that mm-hmm. just bothers people. The mm-hmm. Washington game bothers people. There are a lot of lobbyists in Washington who make money off their relationships, right? But it really bothers people that Hunter Biden, who's seen as like sort of a degenerate and like the kid in the family that probably should be in rehab and has been in rehab, but somehow is able to make all this money by way of his connection to what was a vice president and now president. That like that just really triggers voters, especially right leaning voters. So it's just not good. It would be better if they wrapped it up neatly, let the GOP keep hammering away at him, but then they can say, we've already solved this in court. It's already been dealt with. There's been a plea deal. Biden, the president, continues to deny that he had any dealings with any of Hunter's business partners. Uh, The latest sort of kernel of information to trickle out, I think last week, was that, you know, one of Hunter's former associates said that President Biden was on speakerphone with Hunter and like talking about business deals. And Peter Ducey from Fox News approached President Biden last week in New Mexico and said, hey, were you actually on speakerphone with any of Hunter's associates? And Biden flatly denied it. He's denied it before. You know, but it's not going away. And normally, you might say there's a both sides dynamic going on here, whereas Trump is himself (laughs) indicted on 78 different criminal charges right now and probably more. He was the former president. On, On the other side... You have the president's troubled son with no evidence yet leaking the president to any of these dealings. But that doesn't matter to Republicans. I mean, like that's the that's the definition of what Trump and Trump people do is point their finger at the other team and say they're just as bad or they're worse. And so that that to me is the political reason this story won't go away. Yeah. And I think what Hunter represents is like the corruption of Washington and the swamp. In a lot of ways. And like Trump's crimes are really bad, but they're not really like swamp crimes. You know what I'm saying? They're different crimes. No, I guess. No, 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 you're right. I mean, like if you define the swamp as like the sort of like lobbyist ick. Yeah, um, it's the there's the the, the influence. But yeah, sure, sure, sure. I mean, I do think that trying to overturn uh, an election and undermine American democracy might be worse than swamp ick. But (laughs) no, it is. It's totally worse. I agree with you. It is worse. It's actually understandable, whereas like colluding influence, this kind of stuff, it's like not really quite as understandable, but you feel like it's icky and you know that there's like people are up to no good on like a very kind of intangible level. It's just a gut feeling that these actors are bad people. And 
that there's something more there. There's a fire. And in, fair, in fairness, like, not to Hunter, but like the Republicans have been stoking that fire. That's all they've been doing, just like they did mm-hmm. on Benghazi. So of course it's penetrating. It has to penetrate at some point, right? Mm-hmm. And just these little kernels of like, was he on the phone call? Did he say he could meet his his father at some point? It's so blatantly using the Biden name to make money, right? And mm-hmm. not that the Trumps haven't done that themselves. The Trump brand, everyone who is a Trump makes money off the Trump brand, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the Bidens have done the same thing themselves since the beginning of his career, everyone around him is a lobbyist or has made money off the name Biden. And in fact, like, that's how it works in politics. Like, if you become president, Peter Hamby, everybody who's around you is going to try to monetize the Hamby name and (laughs) haven't got you there and haven't gotten you there. In fact, like, maybe your wife, brother, sister, parent may end up being a lobbyist or using that (laughs) connection to make money. It's all the people around Trump, made a lot more money. They could bill a lot more. Ask Brian Ballard. He's got like some of the highest billing rates as a lobbyist when Trump was in office. Uh, Jeff Miller, same. Big fundraiser for Biden. Like, this is why people fundraise. They fundraise to get close to the candidate to then be able to sell access. And it's just like, this is Washington. And when you actually peel it back, it really pisses people off. I guess the counterpoint is polling on this is, is a little all over the place, but like independent voters don't yet think that Biden himself is connected to the Hunter stuff. There's Mm -hmm. that. Maybe some of Biden's advisors have made money off of quote unquote advocacy or lobbying, et cetera. But the Bidens themselves, Jill and Hunter, like they made a shitload of money after they left the White House, but it was through mostly like book deals and royalties and sort of like being on faculty at various places. It wasn't like they went to go work for like big pharma You don't have to. You're the principal. You don't have to. But think about this. All the people that work in like Anita Dunn, Steve Rochetti, uh, Ron Klain, Mm -hmm. Mike Donilon, they're all former lobbyists that are working in his White House and they're close to him and they've followed him in his entire career. And when they don't, when he's not in office, they've made money through influence or while he's in Mm -hmm. office, they've made money through influence. He's surrounded Mm -hmm. by lobbyists because Joe Biden has been in Washington forever. He is a creature of Washington. And once you become the vice president, you can leave and get a book deal and you can do like the classier, cleaner things. People around you, they stay in influence, but they don't get the book deals necessarily. But it's all about having proximity to power. And that's just how Washington works. Yeah, no, this is a this is a a, a reason Hillary Clinton (laughs) didn't make it in the end. People thought she was a creature of Washington and Trump was not. uh, And he was going to drain the swamp, even though he didn't. Before I go to break real quick, one thing that's interesting about the special counsel, David Weiss, is that he was the U.S. attorney who has been conducting, I think for five years, the investigation into Hunter Biden. Um, And he's the one who, you know, ended up coming up with the tax evasion charges uh, and the, the unrelated gun charge. He's been appointed special counsel. The House Republicans who are investigating Hunter Biden and trying to do the Benghazi thing here, they don't like the idea that Weiss is now the special counsel. Even though he was appointed, he was appointed by Donald by Trump. Trump. Yeah. Like what there's like, it just, I'm not, I guess there's no way to like explain or answer this. It's just like House Republicans are never going to be satisfied with anything here. Like James Comer from the Oversight Committee, like they're just going to be investigating all the way through 2024 and just throwing chum out there and testimony and anonymous sources or whatever. Like if you can't be satisfied with a hardo special counsel appointed by Donald Trump, Like, when will you ever be satisfied? 
No, I know. And the same way that Trump attacked Bob Mueller, who was also Republican. And it's just like who Jeff Sessions appointed his own attorney general. Well, that didn't go so well. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. Oh, my gosh. The Trump stuff that's so memory hold. I mean, it's just a weakness that they see a brown Biden. It's just Mm -hmm. an obvious weakness that they're going after. And nothing is going to be good enough unless they come up with the indictment themselves. And it leads directly to a conviction and arrest Mm -hmm. and Hunter Biden. And and Joe Biden is dragged down with him because ultimately this is about the House trying to take power from the third uh, branch of government, the White House. That is what this exercise is. The Mm -hmm. GOP House is trying to take power from the White House. And this is how they do it, claiming corruption. It's kind of how they did it with Trump, too. They tried to impeach him twice. I mean, listen, I'm not saying it wasn't warranted, but let's be honest. They weren't really able to prove collusion. Mm -mm. No, you're right. We'll see if any of this leads to impeachment. But that's a topic for another time. When we come back Tara, I want to ask you your take on what's happening out in Iowa. Back to the powers that be, everyone. I'm joined by Tara Palmieri. We're talking politics. I haven't yet stepped out of my hotel room in Des Moines this morning. Just got in last night, but eager to talk to voters. Tara, uh, I don't know the last time you went to Iowa. I'm interested to find out if that New York Times poll that came out about a week and a half ago showing Trump weaker in Iowa, slightly weaker in Iowa than he is nationally, is borne out just by the voters I talked to. What do you think is going on? Do you think Trump is is softer in the early states than he is nationally? I mean, polls certainly suggest that's the case, even though he's still winning by a significant margin in the early states. I think he is. I mean, these people, like we've said before, they're really politically attuned and they believe they have the choice. And so they're not going to be necessarily swayed by the national fervor, I think, in Mm -hmm. the same way. But there is something exciting about the Trump show coming to your house. And like they had a a plane fly over Ron DeSantis's (laughs) event, a Trump plane, just to kind of like create a a spectacle like Trump brings the spectacle. It's the party you want to go to. It's the rally. It's the music. It's Trump. He's a celebrity. Anything can happen. It's a party. You get to go home and tell your friends about it. It's kind of like who doesn't want to go to the party, even if you hate the host. And I know Iowans are evangelical. They take it very seriously. I mean, obviously, he lost Iowa against Ted Cruz Mm -hmm. in 2016. So like you can't take Iowa for granted. But like, when does Iowa ever actually pick a presidential candidate? Not in recent years. Not on the Republican side. That's a very astute point, Tara. The last time Iowa successfully predicted the Republican presidential nominee with the caucuses was George W. Bush in 2000. But yeah, Mike Huckabee won in 2008 with all the evangelical support, Rick Santorum. Not evangelical, super Catholic, but still uh, came on late and won. Ted Cruz won in 2016. So yeah, Iowa picks Democrats better than Republicans, although Iowa won't be the first state anymore for Democrats. What's, What's the line, Tara? Iowa picks corn, but New Hampshire picks presidents. <laughs> Did I get that one right? Yeah, actually, there was a um, Kate and Dawson in South Carolina when I lived in South Carolina covering campaigns. He was great for a quote. And he always said, Iowa picks corn, New Hampshire picks pockets, and South Carolina picks presidents. Actually, every early state wants uh. to be the most important <laughs> one. But yeah, you mentioned the Iowa State Fair. So over the weekend, Trump and DeSantis were... Both there, not exactly at the same time, but somebody 
Definitely not the Trump campaign. Definitely not a Trump super PAC paid for a plane with a banner on the back that flew over the fair when DeSantis was speaking or doing an event and said, be more likable, Ron. (laughs) And then Trump uh, was there. He got mobbed, as you said. It reminded me of, of 2016 or 2015, I think. I was there when Trump showed up with the like Trump helicopter and took a bunch of kids for rides instead of doing the traditional like Iowa Des Moines register soapbox speech. He just did his thing differently because he's a celebrity and it worked for him. But when he was leaving the fair this last weekend, his plane, like, I guess like banked backwards and like flew over the state fair. If you don't know, the airport is kind of near where the state fairgrounds are. And like, he did that while I think DeSantis was at the like Iowa pork producer tent, like flipping pork chops and people were chanting like Trump, Trump, Trump. So it's all like, it's all spectacle. And like, I wrote about this for Puck like last week. It's just hard to tell anymore whether the like quaint early state traditions even matter anymore. Like giving a soapbox speech and like getting endorsements from local leaders. Like DeSantis like came to the fair with like a bunch of state reps who have endorsed him. Like, does that matter? Or is everything just nationalized at this point uh, in the Trump era. And that's, that's to me is like the biggest storyline out of Iowa is like, do the local conservative leaders and the evangelicals and the activists and the state legislators matter and doing all the like usual stops or, you know, is the only thing that matters winning the attention of like the Fox news voter and being MAGA or not MAGA enough. I'm curious. What do you think about that? I know. I think I think the local texture sort of is influenced by the media. Mm-hmm. I still think you've got to go through the motions, but I think Trump is still so, it's just pulling so far ahead in New Hampshire and South Carolina that even if someone else like wins Iowa or comes in a close second, he just has all the momentum starting. It's just too too much momentum. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. I mean, also they just, again, like you said, Iowa hasn't picked presidential candidates on either side for a while. And I mean, technically Hillary, but Bernie came in really close. And I just, I don't know that they reflect the national sentiment, but it helps in the race to number two, Iowa matters. Mm -hmm. If you want to be the number two in case Trump gets in, is actually convicted and put in prison and there's no one else to run and the donors are still keeping your campaign going, come in second in Iowa. You got to come second in New Hampshire and you got to come in second in South Carolina and you just got to keep hanging on. Maybe there's a floor fight. I don't know. But until something happens to Trump or it's just inevitable that Trump will actually be the nominee and there's no reason to keep going. So in the race for Trump's singular opponent or possible replacement, you have to win the early states because like there's no other metric. Yeah, I was gonna say right now it feels like they're like I think you're exactly right. Like Trump, Trump has a spot <laughs> in the top two, <laughs> and yeah. it's like a runoff election, you know. And then there's the race for who can be his competitor, and that's those are the people like the, the Tim Scott, DeSantis, Christie, whatever. Like they're jostling to be the main rival. Uh, we'll we'll see. Like if they if they if any of those people can get to the point where they feel like a rival, but you know Iowa. And they always say this, too, with primaries. Like, I would have sure they, quote, winnow the field. But I think the field has to winnow very quickly uh, because Trump can consolidate support uh, just because of his intentional powers very fast. One final note before we go is that the special counsel in the um, January 6th case uh, has proposed Trump's trial in that case begin on January 2nd of next year. It should be pointed out the Iowa caucuses are January 
15th. Uh, Trump's team is trying to argue, his legal team, that they're going to delay the trial further. But, you know, these trials are going to be happening right around these early state contests. And that's that's another opportunity, theoretically, for, for these Trump challengers to make the case that they need to nominate somebody more electable uh, against Joe Biden. Or maybe just say the quiet part out loud, like, I might be your backup plan. What do you think? Elect your backup plan. Mm-hmm. This guy might end up in prison, but he can still run, right? He can still run as convicted. Yeah. No. Yep. Yep. Uh, Constitution <laughs> says you can. President from prison. Um, Tara, thank you so much. President I from will... prison. <laughs> Tara, thank you so much. Talk soon. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Ben Landy. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Bob Tabador, and Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck.